0: I was close to not playing, I, I couldn't walk, I was on crutches, um, and the, the doctors and the coaches I just had the total opposite, like, Ted, we can strap this ankle up, we can block it up, we can just jab it quarter time, half time, three quarter time, um, we can get you through this game, and um, with pain injections, I was like, great, and then I was like, well, hang on, I'm playing on arguably the most agile big guy ever to play the game. You know, not being able to feel my right ankle could be a bit of an issue here. (laughs) Yeah. That's Ted Richards talking
1: about playing on Buddy Franklin despite having a busted ankle in the 2012 Grand Final. This was a great chat. Richards is dry and self-deprecating. He's honest and humble. And he gives us a really good insight into a career that spans 16 seasons. He's got quite a resume over that time. 261 games, an All-Australian fullback, three Grand Finals, one Premiership. He was never a great athlete for a press conference, if I'm honest, because he doesn't actually speak in 10-second bites. but he speaks in long, considered, even-handed thoughts, which isn't good for news, but it does mean he was perfect for a long chat like the one you're about to hear. Over the course of this interview, we really got across a fair bit of territory, too. We spoke about his memories of draft day, playing at Essendon under Sheedy, the move to Sydney... Memories from four grand finals while he was at the club Illicit drugs in sport Really interesting stuff there A lack of love from the umpires on Brownlow night The Adam Goods controversy And Ted's career nearly ending early twice Not once, but twice And he also touched on the experience of watching his brother lose a place in the AFL I really enjoyed talking to Ted Richards And I think that you'll enjoy it too This is The Stack Report Ted Richards... Welcome to the Stack Report. Thanks for joining us.
0: Thanks very much. Very excited to be here on the podcast.
1: I'm recording this on the eve of round one.
0: you have retired now. Yep. With the season here, do you miss it? It, It's it's interesting. I caught up with Chris Judd um, about two weeks ago down in Melbourne for a coffee. um, You boys played a bit of junior footy. Yeah, we played junior footy together, and I just dropped that name there. Um, (laughs) And um, Chris told me. We're just having a chat about all different parts of sport and life. And Chris said that mentioned that in 2015, when he did his knee and retired effective immediately, he didn't miss footy that year at all. And he said round one 2016, it just hit him hard how much he um, he was, it missed he missed footy and was jealous of not being out there. So um, my wife is very conscious that even though I haven't missed footy too much just yet, it could hit me like a ton of bricks. Um, even Carlton Richmond watching that game at home, which um, I think is the most overrated game in football, <laughs> but it just sucks everyone in.
1: Yeah, well, because we've been starved of footy all yeah. season. Yeah, we're, we?
0: we're starved, and it, you know, it, history says it's probably going to be an irrelevant game. Mm. Apologies to both fans of both teams, but um,
1: Richmond will probably get beaten by six goals. Uh,
0: yeah, 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 and um, and normally, you know, a coach will be under the pump, and a playing list will be under the pump, and it's just round one.
1: Mm. Um, I read an article actually this week by uh, Andre Agassi had been interviewed and he was saying that retirement, uh, it was kind of like a death. I mean, which is a pretty full-on sort of concept yep. to say, but you, sort of why a life just completely ends. Is that sort of, is that what you experienced over the off-season? Is that what you're just coming to terms or you kind of, during an off-season after you, you've hung up the boots, that you're really embracing the fact that you can do all these things you previously couldn't do?
0: Um your first, first of all, Andre Agassi. How good is he? Or just what he's, a jet. In, yeah, I know. Just his his insight and how honest he is, and I, and uh, Did I, you read I, open. Yeah, read read that one right, of my right. favourite books, and just, um, just his analysis and openness and the psychological aspects of of sports. Just I, I just love it. So I love reading anything I can that that he's he's quoted in. But um, I I don't know if I'd liken it to to a death, but um. I won't. I won't lie. For a long, many times throughout my footy career, I looked forward to retiring. I really? Looked, yeah, yeah. Just you know, from times you go into dark places, especially as a fullback, you get the goals kicked on, and you know that that you've got the footy career. But there are times you go, I just can't wait for you know to to get through this. And and um, when I came to the reality that 2016 would be my last year, and I told my wife that I was going to retire um, I, I, I just opened with tears and I, could, you know, I cried solidly for a good half hour, hour in front of her and um, I'm not very, normally very emotional and uh, it was for me what was sad was it was the, the dream of football coming to an end. I grew up in Melbourne and you know, I you know, had an Essendon footy jumper when I was you know, three years old. And always had aspirations of having an AFL career. And that was the sad thing for me, is that uh, this part of my life had run its course. Yeah. And Everything that,
1: you've always wanted. You've yeah. done it all. You've yeah. won a premiership, you've played AFL footy. Oh, done done. I I've
0: done I still think of myself as unlucky not to win a Brownlow. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you I, came, well, came I, close to a nice bit. Oh, yeah. Well... Um, yeah, I, I I will always watch a Brownlow and be jealous of the person that gets up on the stage and go, oh, hang it's that. <laughs> Just stuff these team award. How good to be to win an award like that. And the thing is, they ha- they can speak with such um like a
1: tiny little thimble of grace on a Brownlow speech in a Brownlow speech just results in everyone gushing over hu- your humility how yep. easy is it to be humble when you've just been lauded by all your peers and yep. the press and all that goes with it
0: well yeah it's it's normally one of the highlights of the night um, is hearing the the, the Brownlow medalists talk Yeah, um, we've been fortunate enough that uh, well, off the top of my head um uh, and, and swans yeah now no, off the top of my head uh you, you know goodsy's given some um, great speeches Job gave a great speech but also um also also five five yeah. yeah i you know I, I hadn't heard him speak much and then he just really impressed when he was he was up there
1: how many Brownlows have you been to can you remember
0: yeah so uh, a lot of people ask that i can remember because i've only been to one yeah and that was, that was his Josh Kennedy's day, <laughs> because uh, unfortunately only five players from each team get invited, and um, full-backs, centre-half-backs, they're not normally high in the polling, so... Um, did you get three votes versus West Coast last year? Um, yeah, I did, I did, yeah. 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 I took a screenshot of that. <laughs> yeah. um, I'll show my son that, but um, yeah. yeah, it's it's a pretty special night, but it's it's... It's not a footballer's night. It's a very. It's just for the top of the pyramid of the, the players that. That, Does that get piss them. you off
1: as a defender, because you're, um, you're clearly big that defenders don't get the credit they deserve. do Oh yeah, behind.
0: yeah. Um, I, I I think it, if you look at, if you look at um, what the, the total ta- the tally of what the all Australian defence gets in Brownlow votes. Mm. Sometimes it struggles to get to double figures. Like mm. that's how low it is, and. If coaches um, you know, just reiterate to their players about how, how we defend first and then we attack and everything like that, it seems like certain aspects of the AFL um,
1: it's ana- the, analysis... It's
0: rec- yeah don't 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 rate that side
1: because it's recognizing clubs, isn't it oh, yeah, I and mean,
0: I feel like defenders yeah. it's not uncommon
1: for them to win a, a a club champion award,
0: yeah, you might have come second one year well you you look at Hawthorne, yeah, I came second in our Premiership year, a lot of the years that Hawthorne was successful, Josh Gibson won hmm. um i I love seeing um I can remember when I was at s a in two thousand Dustin Fletcher won the Premiership when they they dominated in two thousand. It is great to see that um internally things are, are respected, but uh externally uh it's it's still the midfielders that um seem to i think umpires and and analysis um they fall back on stats as as the uh to, how to measure someone's game it's easy to yeah it's easy. I want to go back to the start of your career.
1: Yeah. Uh, you played your junior footy at Sandringham. Yeah. Is, is there something that sticks out as a memory when you were just a junior kid playing footy because you loved it?
0: Yeah, well, it, it's funny. We touched base on it before about when I retired to um, and, and told my wife just before, I, you know, a few days before I told the team is that that's, that's what I got nostalgic about. That's what I reflected on when I knew that I was going to retire and this was going to be the end is that I was getting nostalgic about the start and about um, where the seeds of the dream grew and that was playing at East Sandringham. My dad coached me for a couple of years. Good coach? Yeah, yeah, great coach. Dad, um, dad was, we, you know, we, we had a lot of success there. Um, we, we won some premierships, forged some memories that have been the highlight of my life. Some friendships that are, I've still got, you know, um, and I'm very proud, and I've um, of, of that stage. And like I said, you know, that, that's that's where the re- the seeds grew for the hope and the dream that it, I could once be a professional footballer. Well, 2000,
1: that dream becomes reality. You drafted at yep. 27 high for a defender uh, in, yep. the, in the draft to Essendon. What's draft day like as a in, in the year 2000? What's that yeah. experience?
0: Yeah, so. Um, it was it was a, it was a funny day. Um, I was uh, I was zoned with the Sandringham Dragons in the under eighteen competition. We had quite a quite a good team that year, and um, it was te- back then it was televised. Um, but it we wasn't located in the one specific location as it is now. I, I think more recently it's been on the Gold Coast in Adelaide. But um, so the five of us were put in a room together from the Sandringham Dragons and um, to be um, relayed over Fox Footy or what um or whoever was telecasting it at the time mm. and just before the draft um I had a visit from uh someone from the Kangaroos and said so we're going to try and pick you up today we've just got a new sponsor in Russell Athletic um when we pick you can you get this t-shirt and hat on as quick as possible for the sim- uh, so on TV we can get you know get <laughs> So yeah, get some miles out of it yeah so the Kangaroos were in financial stress at the time they could use the exposure yeah yeah they could use the exposure but i, I you know i was just so excited about one like, i'm getting picked regardless. yeah yeah for certainty yeah. um i was 17 at the time i still could have played under 18s again the following year but not only the certainty of getting picked but of going to a great club like the kangaroos who you know wayne Carey, it was still the, the dennis pagan era mm. And I was staying in Melbourne, I grew up in Sandringham in Melbourne and, and um, a few other teams like Brisbane and West Coast had shown interest and, in, you know, I was just a young 17 year old, I was still very keen on trying to stay in my comfort zone, but also pursue my career. Um, you get picked? Yeah, well, yeah, and then, so I just highlighted. So, yeah, so
1: you, you thought you were going to the kangaroos, what happened, where'd they go?
0: Yeah, Did so they... I, I highlighted all the kangaroos' picks, yeah. and um, they had quite a few, quite a few picks. Um, they ended up taking Daniel ha- Harris, and Drew Petrie, quite high. The dish. And, yeah, 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 and um, I, I think there was a, the Kangaroos had a pick around pick thirty, and so I, I was just kind of going through. You
1: were thinking that's the one. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Teams were kind of. I was just kind of expecting teams to go through the motions and just hanging out for that next Kangaroos pick, and then Essendon picked me, who's a te- my team that I loved. I'd supported, you know, all growing up, so I was just so excited. It was just ecstatic that, that, that you know, that my dream had come true to get to go to Essendon.
1: That's amazing, because, I mean, especially a club like Essendon, you would have grown up watching Kevin Sheedy coach this team. All of a sudden, you're playing under him. What is it like the first day you go through the, the club doors and you meet Kevin Sheedy, who's, yeah. you know, a guy you grew up watching coach your team, and now he's your coach?
0: Yeah, it turned out to be like, it was a dream come true. And just walking around the club and getting a training singlet. I can, I can remember, I can remember specific details about how the honor and the privilege of just oh, how excited I was. But I, I don't think I went in with a great, great attitude. I think I was entitled or Yeah, I, I think I, no, 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 I, I went there almost with the attitude that I was still a fan. Like I was still, that, that, that these guys. Um, were above you. Yeah, I, I, I looked up to them like they're like they another team and, and that I, I wasn't competing with those guys for, for a spot in the starting 18. I, I think it took me a while to kind of get my head around the fact that, um, listen, I'm here. They're your teammates. Yeah, yeah the, the, the teammates and be the competitor Challenger for a spot. Because I've looked up to him for so long, I still felt like, looking back now, I still put them on a pedestal above me. And um, whereas I think, say if you go to another team who I may not have put players on the pedestal, I would have...
1: Might have been better for you.
0: It might have been, it might have been better for me. Yeah. But um, yeah, that, was, that was something that I, I should have controlled myself. And It's not a cop-out.
1: Kevin Sheedy's renowned for his... Eration and, you know, yeah. he's larger than life. Can you remember what he said to you? Or is there anything that stood out early in that first season
0: of him addressing you? Um,
1: was it all sort of blur into one?
0: Uh, <laughs> no disrespect for Sheeds, but, yeah, like, you know, we're talking 16 years ago yeah. now from, yeah, um, where, um, yeah Sheeds was, in, was impressive, but um, I can't remember specifics about, about my first year. I know that... Um, uh, I got close a couple of times into playing footy in my first year but I didn't actually end up getting yeah. that opportunity until my second year where I started to play some senior footy.
1: Um, you had five years at SM with guys like Lucas, Lloyd, Hurd. Um, anything that stands out from Dustin Fletcher playing with those guys over that, that half decade?
0: Yeah, oh, I, I, an absolute honour and an absolute privilege to, to be able to to go to a team. I, so the, Essendon won the premiership in 2000 and here I was walking into a um, a, a a successful team, um, arguably the most successful team ever Mm -hmm. in terms of how, not in terms of the amount of premierships I won, but the manner in which they did in 2000. And um, uh, I just forged some great friendships that I've I've still got, but um, some great mentors but I, I've just got memories of, it's where some great habits form for me of where I'd shadow James Heard and Matthew Lloyd. You know, I'd try and partner up with them in the gym and test myself against those guys. They were the benchmark of the competition and um, they were both, you know, all these guys, Lucas as well. Are Fletcher. they
1: giving you much love? Like, what's it like inside the, are they giving you, is there much of a relationship there? Yeah,
0: yeah. Because they're deities in Melbourne. Yeah. No, we, we, we did have a, we did have a, a, um, a, a good, good culture at, 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 um, and tight-knitted at, at Essendon. Um, Round 6, 2005, I feel like it was quite a pivotal moment. It was a
1: tough day for you. You went head-to-head with Jonathan Brown and he had a bit of a day out. Yeah. Uh, how tough was it playing on one of the best forwards of all time at the
0: absolute peak of his powers and him having a
1: bit of a day out?
0: Yeah, I... Um, a lot of people ask me about that. I, I think, um, I, was a, I remember only being on him for a quarter or so, but um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, but um, a lot of people speak to me about uh, who are the hardest players to play on throughout your career. And it, I say, it, it's not always about the individual. It's about, you know, who's, what supply are they getting? Mm-hmm. And so Brisbane Lions in the 2000 and you know, early 2000s when they were in the peak of their dynasty you look at the on-ballers there, and you, the names of Voss, Black, Lappin, Sean Hart, Ackermanis—like absolute freaks that are mm. legends of the game—all playing in the same midfield together. That the ability when Simon Black has the ball, I—I—I I, I was just. I, immediate panic mode he's one of the be- he's one of the best kicks in the competition that i've ever seen he's a, and i'm not talking about just being able to stab past the ball low and hard but he could just place the ball anywhere to a forwards advantage left or right foot and um
1: is it almost happening in slow motion because yeah. you know you can see him 50 meters with the football and you're like oh, yeah i'm in trouble
0: here. yeah because he he you know he he just seems to be able to um like he's just consistently paced the ball where he wants. And so if you're a good enough defender, you might be able to stop once, uh, once, maybe twice. But eventually, you know, after the repeat entries, it will become times when you, you know, your, your opponent's just kicking goals because you can no longer just stop the flood. Yeah. That was your last season yep. at Essendon. Uh, yep.
1: 33 games. What's the process... How you end up at Sydney, how does it happen? What are the nuts and bolts of it? Do you make the decision to leave the club? Do the club say, we don't, we don't need your services anymore?
0: Yeah, um, so it was probably halfway through that 2005 season, I could see that um, the club wanted to go in another direction with, um, with individuals. I, I, I was pretty happy with how I was playing in the reserves, but uh, similar names were kept on being picked in front of me. So I made the decision there and then that uh, in 2006 I just wanted to go to a team that wanted me the most, as opposed to me saying the team that I wanted to go to. Um, but I decided I was just going to see out 2005 as best as I could. I ended up playing the last eight games of the season and playing quite well. Yeah. Um, Essendon offered me a one-year deal, which I very politely declined and said, Thanks, but no thanks. Were you tempted to say, get stuffed? Were uh, you, yeah, you? I, I was, I was, I was, yeah, tempted You are offended? Yeah, I, I, like, yeah, you know, for so long, I, I'd felt that um, I'd possibly, I'd warranted being selected and that they'd continually gone with other players. So I, for, for me, it was a no-brainer. Listen, I really appreciate being drafted, but I think it's best we part ways here and then, they re- replied back with a one-year deal on base money. I was like, "Well, thank you, but uh, once again, like I said, mm-hmm. I think it's best we part ways here." And they came back with a two-year deal on on um, base money. I was like, "I, I don't think you understand here. Like, thank you, but I know deep down you don't rate me, and you know this contract that only suggests what I've already um, what I've been thinking, and uh, I just think it's best that." Um, we part ways and um swans were really keen on me and i was i just wanted to go to the team that wanted me the most so needy for a defender Ted. oh well yeah well I, I think back then i might have been i was actually still a forward okay yeah swans swans yeah. got me to play for uh, up front up front and um yeah so i, I was i was wrapping the swans you know wanted me in the but, I had to give a bit to get you. I though. know, and that's what that, pick that, nineteen and fifty. That's what made it so annoying. I was like, because you know, the trade period, trade week opened up. I was in um, California in San Diego at the time, travelling with my some Essendon mates, and all of a sudden, Essendon said, put on the table that they wanted the first round pick, and possibly a second pick as well. And I was just flabbergasted, going, "Well, where does this come from? How, how come all of a sudden I'm the sought-after player when, it, when it comes, where I'm spending most of my time playing for the Bendigo Bombers?"
1: Yeah, so um, <laughs> kind of that perceived thing, right? It's like kind of like when, um, uh, if you're going out with a girl, but you're not that into her, and then you know, you break up with her, and then she starts going out with someone else. You're like, "Jeez." Yeah, maybe well, she's, maybe
0: she's pretty great. Well, right, incredible, <laughs> incre- incredible analogy you've come up with there. But um, yeah, so I, I was then stressing that this this deal wouldn't get done because Essendon are playing hardball on this premium price that they think I deserve, which I, I was, I was just, I was, a, you know, I was a VFL player. I was, I was, you know, I d- didn't deserve to be, you know, this price on my head and I, and I thought, well, if I go to the draft, if, if a deal doesn't get done because Essendon's been so, so, so hard to deal, to work with. I'll go pre-season draft. I'll, I'll go pre-season draft. That's pretty interesting. Given yeah. your brothers, yeah, visualize. but but, yeah. but then I then I could end up anywhere yeah. or nowhere. So um, swans came to the party though; they paid the price. Why do
1: you think they came to the party?
0: Did you you must
1: have had a good meeting with the swans? Like with I must I must have. <laughs>
0: <Yeah.
1: laughs> um, did you meet with
0: Ruse or the, did you just meet with uh, Kenny Beetson, the
1: recruit bloke? Like, how is well it?
0: Well, that's that's another thing that why, why I wanted to go to the swans. Um, it was. Um, the week before, the week of the two thousand and five grand final, the one where the Swans beat the West Coast, mm. I think it was a Tuesday, and before the grand final, and Swan said, "Would love you to fly to Sydney and um, meet meet all the coaches." And I was just in awe that here is a team that is getting ready for a grand final, they've got so much going on, yet they want to meet me in Sydney and introduce me to all the assistant coaches and meet me face to face. you know, what a huge huge compliment that, um, so I flew to Sydney, um, met with Ruse, Longmire, Andrew Island, um, and sat down with them, and we just had an hour with them, chatting about things, flew straight back, went to the and Best in Ferris that night, flew out for the footy trip to... Did
1: you pretty much make the decision in the room, talking to those guys that you're...
0: Oh, no, I... It wasn't probably till I got back the next day, because yeah. I, I, was, I was 22 at the time. I was pretty yeah. keen to stay in my comfort zone and stay in Melbourne. Um, the Bulldogs were quite keen too at the time. And, you know, just a 22 year old that's, yeah, got the comfort, it's, things are easy down in Melbourne. I thought, you know what, maybe, maybe I could just stay down in Melbourne and I wouldn't have to move or anything like that. But it, it just impressed me so much, I've gone, I think I, I text my manager the next morning when I was on the, uh, on the way to the, on the uh, Essendon footy trip. I've gone, I'm out of here, let's try and get, uh, let's do what we can to get me to the swans. Yeah. Did they, was the money comparable to the length of deal? Uh,
1: Better? No, nah, it,
0: it wasn't about money. Yeah. Um, I think it was, it was a, a base. But you wouldn't have gone for like a one year deal. Uh, no, no, I got I got off a two-year deal, Okay. a two-year deal to the Swans, but it was a, it was a, it was um, what got me over the line. It was similar to what Essendon offered me, mm-hmm. but it was it was a clean start. Um, uh, it was it was I got the sense that the Swans not only wanted me, but they they had a role for me. Whereas at Essendon, I felt like I was just a um, just to fill in the stopgap for whoever goes down. Maybe when we've got a lot of injuries, bring in Richards. Um, but apart from that, um, uh, listen, just, just keeping playing in the VFL Whereas The swan said to me, if you commit to us, um, we will try and get you because we think that there's a, there's a role that you could play for us. And um, I was like sold with that.
1: And so you come up to Sydney, you live
0: in Maroubra. Yeah, lived in Maroubra for about a. Got a bra boy. Yeah, you it, got the tat? Nah, no
1: tats. Uh, <laughs> the postcode tat? Nah, nah. Hanging out with Kobe Abbotton. Nah. Uh,
0: yeah, declined that. Learned one. to surf.
1: Tried. Still yeah. trying. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm, I've only I've been at it for the last year and a half. I'm down there yeah. running people all over uh, these days at Bondi.
0: Um, it's embarrassing. No, nah, I. Um, that's that's my former golf surfing. it's, yeah. it's I, I'm 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 okay yeah. at it, but um. I I'm, I'm just the, enjoy, enjoy the challenge of it.
1: Are there players who come to Sydney who miss being recognised on the street? Who like the notoriety of... Being they, they, to... they miss
0: being recognised. They probably are. They're a bit of a shit bike if you're just <laughs> walking around and <laughs> <laughs> miss, miss being recognised. But
1: I'm sure that, you know, Dan and Melvin, you guys get got
0: preferential treatment everywhere along the line of your life. Um, yeah, there, there are positives that come with footy. I'm sure it's you, equally a pain in the arse. Yeah, there are positives and there are negatives. And um, it's positive when you play a great game of footy and you can walk around on Monday and everyone in cafes down in Melbourne are giving you high fives. Likewise and white with one. Thanks. Yeah. Ha- Haggadies, game on the weekend. But when you're a full back and you've just had a bag of goals kicked on you and you're walking around Melbourne... And I, everyone, you, you feel like everyone's going, oh, did you see how that guy played on the weekend? Whereas in Sydney, I, I feel like you can switch off a bit up here and go, well, yeah, listen, let's, let's move on. Um, no one really cares.
1: You're listening to The Stack Report. I hope you're enjoying our chat with Teddy Richards. Heaps of interesting stuff still to come as we cover... Know, a raft of grand finals with the swans interesting to hear his thoughts on the recruitment of lance franklin the goods controversy and of course uh, his brother xavier richards leaving the club in sort of confusing circumstances at the end of last year just a reminder subscribe for more interviews on itunes or even at wooshka leave us a review and a rating on itunes if you're enjoying the show and if you're on wooshka of course you can find us there too but for now enjoy the rest of the interview it's back to ted richards Good stuff happened quickly for you. Um, a grand final, you narrowly lost. You were probably the Swans' best on
0: grand. You might have picked up a Norse Smith and you guys got over the line. Do you
1: ever think about that?
0: I, I am pretty proud of how I um, played that, that, that day. But um, um, How did that happen? Yeah. Like, how did you get so much of the footy? I, I don't know. I don't know. There's a few weird things that went on in that game. Um, I played on the wing. I, I started on the. I didn't play wing all year, all all my career. But um, Andrew Embley, Embley, who ended up winning the Norm Smith Medal, he was he was you know the gun for the West Coast at the time. And um, we went in with a plan that I'd play a defensive role on Embley, and yeah. I'd start on the wing. And I can remember just being so nervous, going, "Where am I? Where, uh, I'm going <laughs> to a grand final, and I'm playing on the wing, and I've never played this since I was under 13. Um and um, we, you know, started okay. Yeah, he started really well, but we had injuries down back, which meant that I had to then go down. I think I went to centre half back and play a role down there. And Embley went on to win the Norm Smith. <laughs> uh, but um, yeah, it was it was a. I can remember being, you know, shattered about about the game. But um, deep down, I was pretty proud with how I went on the day, though
1: was it how painful was that defeat i mean it's, it's a stupid question really because nah, i'm sure it was agonizing but
0: we yeah it's, it's a funny one because i i actually got knocked out with five minutes to go yeah and, that's right and um big chunks you can't remember is that uh, i i yeah a little bit but from watching the game that kind of jolts my memory a bit maybe um, but the team doctor ran out to me at the time and goes yeah teddy you okay and i said Piss off, Gibbsy! If we win this, we we're in the grand final. <laughs> yeah, and he goes, "Oh, close enough." Uh, yeah. So with um, five minutes to go, the scores were kind of level, and um, yeah, I was when the siren went. I was actually of the opinion that we missed out on the chance of kind of to make a GF to make a grand final. I was a bit, I was a bit confused. Oh. So, um, and then quickly realised, "Oh, hang on, no, no, this is the grand final." Yeah, it was. Uh, uh, um, it was a bit of a weird place there.
1: It's interesting you talk about the concussion, because
0: you had some dramas in your last yep, season.
1: Yeah. Do you feel like 10 years on from that, the way concussions... Like, we're having a laugh about it now. Yeah, I know, I know. And, I, I you know, I, it is funny. But yeah. um, in another way, it's not. Do you think that in those 10 years... Because you nearly pulled the pin much earlier last season, yep. didn't you? Because of concussion.
0: Yeah. I. Um, well, to be honest, I actually unofficially did pull the pin. I, I packed my stuff up. Um, but... Yeah, ex- what do you mean? They, oh I know oh, like halfway through twenty sixteen I've gone yeah, I, I I had a few weeks out and I've gone. Listen, oh. You told Longmire, didn't you, that you were going to retire and he talked you out of it? Is that Um we Longmire, Tom Harley myself, we spoke a lot and yeah. I was seeing a, a specialist at the time and um, um, the specialist was you know, the club was great, you know, in getting me to see the this specialist to 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 to, to see what how I was how I was going and recovering but um, I said to horse quite a few times that I haven't made my mind up but I'm leaning towards maybe finishing up now because I'd always decided that 2016 was my last and I thought well for the sake of an extra seven or eight games how about we just pull the pin now it would have been great to finish 2016 off on, on the high but the specialist gave me permission to keep playing and said listen you're okay and there was the underlying opportunity that I could finish off potentially with a fairy tale finish mm. of doing what Shane Crawford and very few others do, and that is finish off in an a Premiership. And um, that carrot was too good to resist. And uh, so, I, um, even though I had packed up some of my Swan stuff for some reason, or oh, not for some reason, because when I decided, I then told my wife. I've actually decided that um, I'm going to see this season out. And um, yeah, so I kept on playing. Didn't quite work out. Uh, well, I'm going to return
1: to that in yeah. your career. I just want to go back to the 06 grand final, just because yeah. it's been in the press this week. Yeah. Um, my ideas about Barry Hall said it's a tainted premiership. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know that I really buy into that personally yeah. um, as a sports reporter. Do you have a, a view on it at all?
0: Yeah, I, um, my view is. It's sad of what was going on at West Coast. It's possibly, you know, a bit embarrassing that it went on for that long for them. But in reality, it is, it is just, it just seems like it was a culture of illicit drugs. And that's, that's it's unacceptable, but it's not illegal in terms of, so um, I, I don't, I'm not a believer that it, it is a huge issue. I'm I'm rapt to see the West Coast Club is in a great position now and culture wise and that I think teams have learned a lot of lessons from what was what was going on there, but um I've yeah, yeah. let it be. Yeah. yeah, let it be. I've
1: got it just on the illicit drugs, I've got a view that is probably seen as archaic and out of step yep. with the rest of Yep the media i I find it outrageous that we test our professional athletes for substances that aren't performance enhancing but we don't test journalists your bus driver your doctor um yeah your accountant i it doesn't really make sense to me and i know this players have put themselves in that position by signing an agreement to do it yeah but doesn't it seem a little bit uh Holier than thou, high and mighty, that we hold.
0: Yeah, it it it, it is it is a very subjective topic, and that um, as players with the, along with the players' association, we've signed up to this ourselves. Yeah. you know, and we've put ourselves up there and said, listen, we know we're role models. We wanna we wanna do our best to to be the the best role models that we can, and we understand that we we come from a portion of the population, with, and what with statistics say. 20 or 25 percent of men aged in the age bracket that we are um, will normally um, have um, try illicit drugs or or whatever the stats are and so we try and have a a perfect pure um, history of of, um, I guess no tests, no no positive tests or mm. anything like that. But unfortunately, I think it, it does rear its head from time to time and, we, and we, we, we try and get them, the players, the individuals, the support they need. Um, and to, to further, I know there's a long answer, but- No? Yeah, I, I, um, a lot of people say, but you know, footballers are role models and I go, well yeah, they're role models for kids that wanna play football, but a lot of, you know, a lot of media personalities are role models for people too, you know, role models is very broad term. Yeah. and um, I feel like it's a, a convenient
1: catchall as well when yeah. you wanna, when you want to look down on someone and say they're doing this wrong, they are a role model yeah
0: yeah, and um a lot of the the press that gets out into the media is about the negative side to the the drug testing, about you know such and such players were caught last year with hair tests or whatever like that. But there are positives to come out of that, and that is clubs will be notified of players that may have issues and clubs have got great welfare and support networks to support players so they don't go down that path again
1: is and it is it known in footy clubs when a, that a bloke is having an issue no
0: nah, it's not it's not it's not known or is it very well, well, much well, more well, quiet. well it depends what strategy that that individual in the club wants to know so mm-hmm. at, at the swans we have a mentor network we've got welfare dennis carroll is our welfare manager and he's that does some fantastic work and And I think normally the best case, the best strategy to go with is to try and keep it in house and and, um, really look after the individual instead of publicly shaming them and and trying to make an example of them publicly and, you know, just burning any bridges of trust and um, which I think that's what the public wants Mm. to see people slaughtered, you know, in the front page of the paper, but it's going to do more harm than good. Can you spell that? I can. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah.
1: That is um, highly ironic. So we're at my apartment complex, so, so our, our uh, talking about illicit substance and it being a societal problem. And someone in my apartment complex is enjoying a little bit of the, uh, let's say the more aromatic cigarettes.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, That's uh, that's brilliant. Um, we talked about the 06 grand final, six years later you have the ultimate joy of winning a premiership. You're All-Australian that year. Why were you in such
0: fantastic touch in 2012? What, what's going right? Um, if go go back to 2010, I got dropped. I was in the reserves for eight weeks. I was out of contract at the end of 2010. I thought that footy was going to be done with me as opposed to me being done with footy. I I, I was predicting that if the season pans out that way, I'd probably be delisted, and I'd made inquiries to Stockholm School of Economics over in Sweden, where my brother was living, about studying over there in 2011. And um, I did a bit of reflecting halfway through the year uh, on, on what I wanted to, how I wanted to see out the season. And one, one thing was, is well, I'm going to go down swinging if whether I get back into seeing a team or not. And um, fortuitously for me, Craig Bolton went down, and which gave me an opportunity to get back into the team, finished off the year well, got myself uh, another one year deal f- for 2011. And um, I just did a r- lot of reflecting on where I was at and what I wanted to be as a footballer at the end of that 2010 season. And that, that was the turning point for me. It wasn't so much in 2012, it's that the roots well, the seed whatever part of the plant i want to use as the analogy here started at the end of 2010.
1: you rolled your ankle in the prelim against collingwood quite badly yep and then you had to go play on lance franklin in the yeah grand final were you close to not playing
0: um i yeah i, I was close to not playing i couldn't i couldn't i couldn't walk i was on crutches um the, the ligament that I hurt was my syndesmosis, which is just above the ankle. High ankle, yeah. Yeah, high ankle. It's, it's a little tendon that keeps the fibula, fibula, tib-fib joint together, I think it is. And um, that was strained or, or whatever it does. And, um, and I, with not being able to walk, I couldn't train because I couldn't train. I couldn't test it because I couldn't test it. I didn't have confidence in being able to to produce and be help the team on the on the grand final day so i can remember so we're talking 2012 here i can remember watching trent Crowe and hawks play was it geelong or whoever it was and trent Crowe going down five or ten minutes into the first quarter mm-hmm. with a with a foot injury or whatever it was hawks went on to win but i i didn't want to go into the game with an injury and then maybe stirring it up five minutes in us losing and then me being perceived to be a liability and the reason why we lost so i i was completely open and honest with um the coaches and the and the, the doctors to say listen my is in a bad way here i really want to play but i don't want to be a liability mm. and the the doctors i think the coaches i just had the total opposite like ted we can strap this ankle up we can lock it up we can just jab it quarter time half time three quarter time Um, we can get you through this game and um, with pain injections I was like great and then I was like well hang on I'm playing on arguably the most agile big guy ever to play the game you know not being able to feel my right ankle could be a bit of an issue here yeah so um the self-doubts kind of circulated for a a bit of a you know for that week, just going, oh god, I don't. I hope I don't embarrass myself here, and you know, in, on on the biggest stage in football. He had a good
1: start, too didn't he? He was red
0: hot. Yeah, to be fair, he had a good game. He yeah. Had a, he had a good game. Um, but you, you came back and yeah, closed I'm, him. Yeah, I'm, I'm happy with how, how I played on him. Um, but um, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm just so glad, so glad we won, and um, it was a real highlight of my life. I think sports it's best when you hope
1: your team can win, but you're not actually that confident. You, you, you think they're a really good team, but you're not certain they're going to get it done. Was it like that for the Swans in that Hawthorne game? Because Hawthorne were the juggernaut that they became. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I don't think it's unfair to say that they were probably the better team through the season. We, I, I, we yeah. yeah, We finished fourth.
0: Yeah. We did it the hard way. We, we beat, I think, Adelaide. Adelaide f- in Adelaide. I think Adelaide finished first. Mm. We beat Adelaide in Adelaide over there at Amy Stadium. We got a home prelim final against Pies at ANZ Stadium and beat them there. And then against, you know, we then had to come down to the ground, um, Melbourne to play against Hawthorne on the MCG. You know, there's, there's, a, there's, a, there's another way of doing it hard. Um, and then beat them down there. And We were the underdogs. You know, we weren't expected to have a good season. So how enjoyable did
1: that make that victory?
0: Oh, it was great. It was just such a such a great bond through the team that year um, because oh, it was just us twenty two each week being the underdog, to um, getting some big scalps, um, knuckling down, going again, doing it next week, um, and yeah, that, that that's what I look back and reflect on and be I'm very proud of the fact that. Yeah, we weren't the higher profile team, which we probably are perceived to be about right now, with you know, some high profile players. We were, we were the young team that were up and coming. We we probably had had success before people th- thought we were capable of it. Um, you know, John Longmire was just in his second year of coach. Um, did you guys think that you were capable of it, or did you think you stole one? Now I I can remember going through the season, thinking you know we had an okay. 2011, I um, but from memory, I don't think we. I can't remember how we finished 2011 off. We 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 had a no. We, we played play, finals. Yeah, we we, yeah. Play, we played finals, but I, I can't remember how deep we went. And I, I can remember, yeah, thinking, was, you know, we're we're capable of of playing some beating anyone and everything like that. But it wasn't until we were getting big scalps along the way that. it I had this real sense of motivation, of um, momentum. Yeah. The momentum of success was building and, and um, we kept our climb up the, uh, up the ladder. Because I, I from memory too, I, I don't think we had a great start to the year too. which... Um, it was slow, but then I think you beat Hawthorne in Tassie. Yes. And that might have been quite a... Oh, one of my favourite games I've ever played, that game. Um, I was playing on Buddy and I, was, oh, I kept him goalless. And I'm glad you brought that game up. <laughs> um, so, um, we yeah, we we're playing t- Hawks down at Tassie halfway through 2012, and I was having a day out on Buddy. Absolute, How does a
1: defender have a day out?
0: Oh, I I, I went to the game shitting bricks, you know, about playing on Buddy, you know, because oh God, I hope I'm not on the back page with the Herald Sun. Being used but, as a step ladder. Yeah, yeah 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 being used as, as a step ladder and um, uh And like in the last quarter, we were down at three-quarter time, or half time, but we were down by like forty points or something like that. And we just turned it around, and we just we 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 really turned it on. And uh, arrogantly, I I had a I had a really good second half. So I was just (laughs) I was just intercepting everything, and so much so, I I was playing fullback on Buddy, and um, uh, Show and Makers came to me and stood next to me. And I can remember, I'm standing at full back and um, on Buddy, and um, Buddy goes to Showmakers, show um, what are you doing? And he, he, and, and he said, oh, I've been told to um, man up on Ted. <laughs> and I think Buddy and I both turned around, mate, I'm playing full back. Like who tags the full back? <laughs> and I'm playing on Buddy. Yeah, I, it was like one of the highlights of my career, like to be so nervous about going into the game About what you know, about you know, worried about getting a bag kicked on me to to going to the last quarter, playing fullback on Buddy, and I'm being tagged. Uh, You know, (laughs) in my the whole career, it only ever happened once, and um, just so proud of that day. How'd you break the tag? (laughs) (laughs) We we ended up having this great win, and um, uh, it was really a highlight of my career that day. You're right, that was a turning point in in my self-confidence about what we can achieve. You, you know, those scalps draw confidence, you draw confidence from them. And um, yeah, that's that, I think it was from memory, yeah, round six or something. To avoid continuing to have to
1: play against you, Franklin moved to Sydney. Yes, <laughs> yep, yeah. What was, it like? what, was, what was it like in the club when you heard you guys had signed this guy? Was, was there a feeling at all, at all? because you talked about how you guys weren't the flashy club and all of a sudden you're taking the flashiest player in the competition yep. and you're having to lose blokes to bring him in. Yep. Was there a feeling at all that like, he, this isn't, he isn't that sort of cut for our club?
0: Uh, no, I, I, I think I was part of the leadership group at the time and I, I, I got a, a call relatively early before it was public that um, what was my thoughts on being able to, um, if, if we could get Buddy, you know, what was my thoughts? We, you know, I was just ecstatic going, <laughs> I kind of like what's going on here. You know, all these dangerous players that i got to play on, you know, we, we, we've tip got... It yeah, yeah, Tippett, Previson, Buddy. I, I was like, oh, God, I hope this continues. But um, uh, I, I just doubted we'd be able to get the deal done. I, I really did. I thought, oh, I thought it was a bit of a pipe dream. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, yeah, of course, you know. We'll, we'll jump in the queue to try and get Buddy too. But I thought, no, we, we, we won't be able to get him. But we, we ended up getting him. And, you know, I, I found out that Buddy wanted to come to us just as much as we wanted him.
1: It's, um, he's a really confusing bloke because he is a rock star. But then every time I go to a press conference with him, he's quite almost shy. Yeah. Um, what is that the biggest misconception about him, that he's always this larger than life? personality
0: yeah well i think people assume that because of how you play the game that that personality flows over to every aspect of your life whereas it's quite common once you um you get to know some footballers it's it's quite healthy to have two personalities and it sounds it sounds strange to people but it's quite good to be an arrogant person on the field and to to have this confidence that you can beat anyone and that you want the ball in your hands. That, that's, a, that's great great attributes to have as a footballer, but some, when the game finishes, most guys are then able to switch off and, and a lot of guys um, uh, aren't that same personality. And, and Buddy's one, you know, if Buddy doesn't like talking to the media, he doesn't like um, he really doesn't. No. I mean, we can't get an interview with him. Yeah. 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 And, and
1: we're technically partners of the AFL. Yeah. You know, like Fox Footy might get like yeah. one yeah. interview a season. Yeah. He'll, he'll,
0: he'll probably do bare minimum. Yeah. He'll probably do. And um, that's just because um, he's more comfortable playing football than speaking to the media about football. Um, and um, that's for, for whatever reason. You know, um, he's just shy. You know, when when it comes to that aspects of things and, and public speaking, and um, uh, that's just a, a characteristic of, of his personality. And you know, it's it's quite quite common when you look at Tony Lockett how he he's his, his approached towards um, the media side of things too.
1: Yeah, they both kind of kept the press at length, and that, yeah. that also breeds a sort of mystery around. Yes, it. yeah um a mystique almost yeah i mean even lockett rocking up he's just not necessarily everything you think like when he rocked up the other day and he's thin you know you're thinking surely lockett's gonna put on more weight from playing and he looks like he's been running around with his greyhounds yeah
0: yeah um yeah i was when i saw that i was just so jealous that you know i'm sorry that i i think you
1: tweeted something of a game of thrones skeletal yeah
0: yeah i pug's got these kind of luminous blue eyes and you know, he's so <laughs> skinny and I was like he looks like a white walker you know for those that know Game of Thrones that makes a bit of sense and, yeah but uh, most people are probably wondering what the hell I'm talking uh, about Game yeah. of Thrones is yeah. everyone watches Game
1: of Thrones um, despite Franklin's arrival you lose the 2014 grand final you went in his favourites yep I mean a lot of people thought you win that win that comfortably did you guys were you guys too comfortable uh, too confident? just a better team on the day?
0: Well, we weren't consciously. I I, I, I can remember no red flags where I've gone, listen, where there's hubris, there's arrogance here. I, I cannot remember it, that. But if you look at how we played, we, we didn't have that hardness, that edge, that Hawthorne bought, um, brought to the game. So maybe subconsciously there was some um, arrogance. Maybe we didn't. Get sucked into the hype um but um I, I cannot remember seeing anything or hearing anything that suggested that that it's so um unfortunately um yeah we lost on the day
1: how um you, you lost the grand front by a point to the west coast and you lost by 10 goals or whatever to all. yeah or more which is which is worse
0: yeah uh that's a funny one why i think you know the game against West Coast, where we just fell short, it's, it's heartbreaking, but there is a sense of... You gave everything, yeah, you played as uh, well yeah, as you could. Yeah, and um, you can go, we, we gave everything, and West Coast were just too good. Um, we've played the game again, and the ball bounced a few, you know, different way. Maybe things could have gone our way next time, but West Coast were too good. Whereas the game against, the grand final against Hawthorne, we didn't give our best. Yeah, I I, I I know that we've unfortunately um, we played much better footy that year, and Hawthorne were too good for us. Um, so to answer your question, probably it's, it's, there's more to satisfaction that can come from when when you know you gave your best but you lost, as opposed to just getting embarrassed.
1: Um, at some point during that grand final, I was sitting in the stands and I noticed that the Hawthorne fans were all I assume they were the Hawthorne fans. They certainly weren't the Swans fans, or maybe the neutrals were booing Adam Goodes.
0: In, in Back in 2014? I think so, yeah. Okay. Uh, well, yeah, we know it's... Um... But regardless of that, I just just going on
1: to the issue of Adam Goods being booed, what, yeah. what was that like inside the club to see that issue explode and gather momentum? And yeah. you go around the country and a, a guy who's so special to the club is... Uh, clearly struck a negative chord with um, large chunks of the football public.
0: Yeah, it was it was incredibly sad and frustrating. You know, I found it sad and frustrating. But I, you know, and I'd sp- I'd spoken to Goodsy about how he was going with it all, and and, and you know, Good Goodsey, he said, listen, he just doesn't want to fuel this fire because, like you said, it gained it gained momentum very quickly, and as a club. Um, I think they had found that the more they spoke about it, the more press it got, the more traction it got so we tried we were trying our best for quite a while to not fuel that fire, and that um, through through maybe other other avenues as opposed to us speaking publicly about it, trying to calm it down and um, but it, it kept on the, the traction and um, it, you know it came to a and they were we had to then we had to then speak openly about it and go this is unacceptable this this is you know fans of the game but treating it was just it was just a it was a, a really sad time in my career and um but to see how some players got together and some fans got together to to counter that minority that wanted to to, to ruin it was um it was really it was a positive uplifting yeah. Because, yeah I you know I can remember all the captains got together on the front of the Herald Sun to say that listen how we are treating this a champion of the game isn't acceptable um, I know people saying oh I can boo anyone I want but it, it went above and beyond what I think a normal fan uh, a normal player will get and I and I do subscribe it, it, it was racist because. It was just, no other player I can think of has got that. And where, where was this coming from? It was, it was just ridiculous. Mm. Um, he's, it's
1: very sad because he's really taken a big step away from the game as yep. well, hasn't he? Yeah,
0: um, his relationship with the game. It, 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 um, do you think that that'll ever be repaired? I hope so. You, you, you see that some some people, some ex-champions of the game, kind of bad, bad relationships that, that does linger. I can remember Kevin Bartlett, you know, he, he, how he's um, ended up with Richmond after, you know, he wouldn't go back to the Tigers for a very long time, but, the, yeah, know, that, that was for a separate issue, but... Um, and Barry Hall maybe at yeah, yeah. Swans. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, didn't come to Swans functions for quite a while there because of how he... But, yeah, these are all separate issues, mm. um, but... but the Bartlett and Hall example were more with the club, but... Rather with the, the game. Yeah, the, rather with the game. But So I'm, I'm, I really do hope that Goodsey um, does get the, the relationship back with the game that it deserves because, you know, footy's a better putt. It's a better game if he's involved.
1: Um, we're running out of time, but I want to touch on just a couple of sort of your stock standard sort of questions.
0: Toughest opponent... I I, I wrote an article for the Sunday Age recently, and um, I I reckon Tom Lynch is an underrated player right now. He's your toughest opponent. I I won't say he's my toughest opponent because Tom, you know, when we play against the Gold Coast, wasn't getting the supply. supply. Yeah, and that that'll come with time. But uh, I think you know, you've got to look at the package of the individual with the supply. So a rough head, Jordan, a. Jared Ruffett at Hawthorne with the, um, the, the Hawthorne midfield that they have, incredibly hard to stop. Um, you know, the, the Jonathan Brown with, the, with the, the Brisbane Lions midfield, incredibly hard to stop. But, um, uh, yeah, I think I will, I'll leave it at that. Favourite
1: coach? Dad? Horse? Sheeds? Um, Roosie?
0: Um, yeah, probably, probably Horse. Probably Horse. Um, yeah, my, my career really turned around with Horse. Um, what uh, makes him such a good coach? Because um, he doesn't get
1: a whole lot of coverage and he doesn't allow a lot either. Yeah. Him. He's quite a private
0: yeah. person. I, I think with Horse, Horse knows what's important for the team and what's not important. And Horse also probably knows his own strengths and his own weaknesses. And one, one thing that I reckon, and I ho- hope Horse doesn't mind me... me my voicing my own opinion here but i think horse isn't that charismatic um coach which um might be synonymous with like a a roosie that we could like a big larger
1: than life yeah
0: yeah yeah Yeah. so horse is like well listen, the thing i'm paid to do is be the best coach for the sydney swans and i'm going to focus in on that and and i've just got so much respect for someone that is just um yeah, got that attitude. So um, I, I don't think a lot of people realise how good horse he is because he's not in front of cameras, you know. He is, he never says anything. No, he, he says... Once never, a week, it's nah. in, it's, he's hard to get a, a yeah, out Yeah, and it's intentional. Yeah. He doesn't want to say something that's controversial. He doesn't want to bring any attention to the team that isn't related to us winning a game. Mm-hmm. And um, um, that probably comes at the detriment of external pe- um people outside of the club and what they think of him as a as a coach because he's not the jose mourinho that's giving the one-liners mm. in press conferences or anything like that he he's he just sits there to get to the outcome of going yep i tick that off as opposed to um sitting there and, and giving the charismatic answers i
1: want to finish with the last game of afl you watched and it was the 2016 grand final that was I was in the stands as a Swan supporter, and it was painful. Uh, I f- you know, there's so much. It, 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 you're on the other end of a fairy tale. Yep. How bad did it feel to be the villains? You know, how frustrating was it for you to be standing in, in the grandstand, not being able to influence the game? Uh, give me the experience.
0: Yeah, it was. A, it was a. It was a. a unique day. I'll I, I even call it a funny day. Um, I was there with my wife. Before the game, I did a lap. At, a lap with other retiring players, with my son in the back of the Ute. That was one of the highlights of my career and my life to be able to do something like that in front of a home a Swans crowd, you know. And um, so the the day got off to a you know a, a great start. Were and you little... close to playing at all? Because um, Alir Alir went down yeah, waiting yeah. I, I what hurt me is I watched the prelim final, GWS versus the dogs at, um, what a GWS? Spotless. That? The Spotless, yeah. they're, they're calling their ground these days. Um, I was going for GWS. I knew, I knew if the dogs won, they don't have a supremely tall forward line. They've got a dangerous forward line, but they're not tall. Whereas GWS have got a tall and dangerous forward line. Yeah. So I knew the need for another tall defender might not be there if... Um, the, dogs, the dogs, dogs won. Win. The dogs ended up winning, yeah. and I thought, "All right, you, you, I may not be as required as if the as if GWS won." And so that hurt me. Um, and uh, anyway, I, I was trying to tell myself, "I'm, you know, as proud of my career as I am, and that to, uh, you know, enjoy this one last moment, and that I'm still a part of it, etc., cetera, etc." Cetera. But when the game started and I, I, yeah, I was jealous that I, I wasn't out there but um, uh, you know as, as heartbreaking as it was you know the, the guys had a real crack you know we, we had a lot of things that didn't go our way throughout the game the umpires were pretty oh, umpires steep. but also
1: I ump- can't comment on that yeah. um, objectively because I support the Swans yeah but it certainly seems yeah yeah well like it, they got a tough deal
0: yeah it is what it is that yeah, that's that's much publicised, but also, come on. Okay. Oh well, you know.
1: You must well, have been livid. Yeah, and I think the club behind closed doors were much more angry than they let on publicly.
0: Yeah. 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 You kind of go. Well, well, yeah. I, I, it's just it's just obvious where I stand on that. Like, mm-hmm. I I I can't can't say any more than oh, I was just flabbergasted with just some of the decisions, but. What was unlucky, and this is, is Hanbury goes down. You know, with a, when Easton Wood slid in, Hanbury's down. Ha- Hanbury, was his leg was in a cast for months after that game. Mm. Buddy goes down. He's needing pain killing injection injections just to back, quarter. I think, yeah, yeah, just to continue on in the game. We had so many things that were going against us, and a um, couple of guys underdone. Yeah, a couple of guys underdone. Think, things. Yet at three quarter time, the game was still in the balance yeah we we went down swinging and um credit to the dogs that they, they were too good and if it wasn't for the sw- if it wasn't for us playing I would have gone for the dogs and too. you can recognize oh, even I can yeah. recognize what a great story oh is. i after the game you know i i um I got so much respect for the dogs i I went to the dogs' rooms and um uh congratulated bob murphy just i, I wanted to speak to him and not only just on the, the dogs winning the flag, but also how, how well he handled himself throughout the year and on the day. And um, yeah, because I've got respect for him. Mm. Um, I'm not saying I, I wouldn't have done that for another team, but yeah. I wanted to do that in person there on the day because um, so much respect for Bob and and the dogs. Because like I said, if it wasn't us playing on the day, I would have been cheering for him. I saw
1: some pictures after the game of um, you consoling your brother who played yep. on the ground. And, um, uh, I don't even know where to start with that. Was yeah. that? What did you say to him? Oh, you've played in losing grand finals. Yeah, I
0: played. Yeah. and my advice turns out, you know, I think it was probably along the lines of just you know, remember this, um, use it as fuel. It, you know, there will be times in life, and you know, with, with further challenges, you, you you'll you'll turn back to this as motivation for in, in future seasons. Unfortunately. For Zav, uh, which has been m- much publicized, you know, Zav's um, season ended, you know, career, or whatever, finished that year. But um, if there's an opportunity for him to, to um, enter into the AFL again, great, but... Uh, that was weird, that whole thing was weird. Yeah, it the was. The full story's not
1: out on that, is there?
0: Well, um, yeah, for, for Zav, okay, I'm, I guess we could do our own podcast on that, but yeah. um, Zav was offered a, a two-year deal From the swans which is um which was great money for a 23 year old Mm. but reality it's it's it's, um it was base and match payments and zav's like well yeah because the swans have only got so much money they can pay under the salary cap and money's been committed to other individuals so um zav came to the decision well if swans can't up their up their offer up to something a bit a bit better I'm, i'm gonna look elsewhere and the Swans weren't too keen on that, so that offer was withdrawn, and Zav found himself, uh, unfortunately, in a dark place where, um, yeah, he didn't have any, any certainty.
1: So he's now playing for Sydney Uni. Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. And I, I, a lot of people go, well, why didn't why did Zav test the market if he didn't have any, any certainty? But um, Zav's, um, unfortunately for Zav, or he was too, he's too respectful. He said, well, I, I don't want to speak to other clubs. While I'm still playing football, and yeah. they went the whole way to the grand final, and then it was uh, the Tuesday after the grand final where his manager's going, "Well, what are we going to do here? Trade period starts in two days' time." Mm. And Zav made the call, "I'm going to back myself in." And uh, credit to him for making the call, but it, it, it didn't work, didn't pan out well for him. Um, you, I'm sure you think you'll probably play senior footy again. Does well, he even want to? I, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm hopeful, you know, but. You know he'll he'll be 24 next year, and you know history says each every year that you um you get past 18, it gets harder and harder to get picked up. Um, for someone that you know was publicly um, I guess a bit of a laughing stock for a while of of of, um, of that that trade period. You or. Oh, no, hey, I, you think Zav was a laughingstock? Oh, oh, oh you know, Zav just copped it, you yeah. know, about that. that, that what point. a
1: silly move. Yeah, what a yeah. silly
0: move, and, yeah, and without people understanding the, the, the full story. Um, I, I, for someone that, you know, um, was really down, to, to be fair to him, he's, he's now playing at Sydney Uni, he's doing a Masters of Commerce, he's got a great job um, working in the software development area of Fujitsu Australia, and um, he's... He's, he's got on with his life and um, I'm very proud of how he's handled such a, a tiff, uh, tough and awkward situation.
1: Was that one of your highlights playing with your brother? Because yeah. you got to do that a couple of times.
0: Yeah, well, I only got, really got to do it once, once? actually. Yeah, once, once in the AFL. It was one of the weirdest games we've ever been a part of. Because um, from memory, he was an emergency? He, he, was an emer- in. he was an emergency. And we were playing Carlton on the SCG on a Friday night and we're about to run out in like 15 minutes time and Mitch Morton, for, for I, Mitch Morton, I don't know why. Mitch, oh, Morton, Mitch Morton. Yeah, yeah. Couple Mitch, of goals in the twenty. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: finals.
0: Mitch Morton walks over to Zav and goes, Zav, I don't reckon I'm right today. Uh, you know, hamstring's not good or something. Congratulations, you're gonna play your first game.
1: He didn't even let like, the coaching stuff. I, I was
0: like, like Mitch was, congrats, like, you know, I was like, you know, when I heard about this after the game, I was like, Mitch, you know, that's not a decision for you to make. And, yeah, so I think Mitch then proceeded then to go and tell, tell, the the staff. Co- tell the staff and the coaches. And so just before we ran out, um, horse got everyone together and goes, um, is you your pine? And, uh, Mitch is out. And it was just like a comedy of events. My, my mum and dad are back down in Melbourne. Oh, no. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I
1: never got to see you. Oh yeah. Home. Yeah.
0: No, but you know, and, and they, they um, they watched the game on tv and couldn't believe it and that they were filthy that they weren't there i had an uncle that had driven up from country victoria and he's just sitting there next thing um zav and i run out together and you know it was just it was just a funny game and we, we we've got to thank mitch morton for it
1: <laughs> i can't think of any better way to end the yep. podcast than that no. uh, teddy thanks so much for your time we appreciate it um uh, there's so many other things we would have loved to talk to you but that hour is just flying by all right thanks very much thanks ted Well, that was Ted Richards on the Stack Report. We've got plenty more interesting interviews still to come in this series, a couple of ones we really think that you're going to like coming up in the next couple of weeks. So make sure you subscribe, throw us a rating. Uh, That sort of stuff really will help us gain some traction, and that way we can bring you more interviews for free. Cheers, the Stack Report. Hope you enjoyed it.